Hey, Guy. Hey there, Kelly. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Oh, that's so great. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you are? I'm yep. not excited. You're not excited today? No, I am. I'm always excited. But I want to surprise people sometimes. <laughs> that's good. Keep them on their ed- the edge of their... Seats. Uh, or pods. Toes. Pods. Earphone- yes. Earphones. <laughs> we want people to be on the edge of their pods. Do you think that most people use ear pods in their ears or over the ear headphones? Uh, in their ears, I think. I must be the freak because none of the, <laughs> there's only one kind of ear pod that actually fits in my ear and it's not the one by the company that's named after a fruit. Do you have large ear holes or small? I, they're, I think they're, they're just misshapen <laughs> or something because like they never want to stay in there. But that is so random. But seriously, for our classic intro segue to our topic. Yes. How do you feel about the news? Um, I, I like it. I mean, I, I'm on my news app on my phone. I just have the standard Apple news app on my phone. And I, I check that multiple times a day, try to see what's going on in the world and, and be aware. It's good. How about you? No, say, I mean, I don't use the Apple. I don't, what do I use for news? I don't know. But, you know, news consumption attracts a lot of my attention. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a news guy, a news what's guy. happening right away guy. Speed I get that. Guy. <laughs> are there uh, are there any news stories happening lately that you're particularly interested in? Keeping in mind that this will, of course, air like a month or two later. <laughs> yes. So, so think ahead. Think of what's going to be popular in two months, Ski. Um, gosh, I'm going to get myself in tons of trouble because people don't know exactly when this is being recorded. Whatever. I'm not actually going to go down there. What's a news news story today? Hmm. What did I see recently? Okay. Here's one in the news. There's a county. I'm going to get myself in trouble again, but there's a, I think it's a county in upstate New York that has declared that if you're not vaccinated, if you're under 18 and you're not vaccinated, you may yes. not go into any public space. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. How do you, ooh, maybe we shouldn't ask how we feel about that. Well, so that sparked actually a conversation. So I posted that article. I'm a big, I share things on the yes, socials. Yes, you do. You know, it's yes, funny. Someone do. this week, I was at this wedding this weekend and someone was like, <laughs> they pulled me aside and they're like, I just want you to know, I read everything you share on Facebook. I was like, wow. <laughs> I was like, I am oh really sorry to hear that. Oh sorry to no. hear that. So I shared so- this article and, you know, of course it, some people got interested in talking about it. And, uh, you know, the, one of the big concerns was whether or not it discriminates against children who can't get vaccinated for medical reasons. And, of course, it does. And and I think one of the misperceptions, you know, now I'm really going to get myself in trouble, is that the government actually has pretty broad powers in public health contexts, even if they tend to be discriminatory. And it really comes into, you get into the specifics of, you know, does it survive strict scrutiny, compelling state interests, narrowly tailored, least restrictive? And so my hunch is, is that this is probably okay. It's only temporary Ooh. anyway. Up oh, four minutes. We're getting the heads up. You're talking way too much, people. Well, you know what, Guy? I hope that somebody listening, since this will come out in the future, I hope that somebody listening will have taken that story 
newsjacked the heck out of it and got some PR for themselves. So we're very fortunate today to have a guest who, to go out on a limb and refer to her as a professional newsjacker. Ooh, a professional newsjacker. What's that? Basically, a PR superstar who wants to help lawyers become PR superstars. And now let's get into our interview with Michelle Calcote King. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing with your hosts, Key Sakalakis and Kelly Street, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. All right, Gee. Kelly. Let's get into this. Uh, we are joined by Michelle Calcote King, the PR extraordinaire for law firms of all sizes and beyond. And so, Michelle, why don't you introduce yourselves to our, or self, because there's only one of you, uh, to our listeners. Sure. Well, thank you for that um, title. So, um, I am the principal of Reputation, Inc., And we are a public relations and marketing agency, um, and we specialize in professional services, uh, mostly law firms, um, but we do work with architecture, engineering, those kinds of firms as well. Fabulous. And how did you, um, was there a connection you had to lawyers and law firms that kind of helped you sort of carve out that niche for PR? Sure. I've been in PR my my whole uh, career, Um, worked in PR agencies and just sort of fell into more of the business-to-business side of PR. I just always enjoyed the more substantive topics and ended up with a law firm client at a PR agency and then left and went to a a PR firm that specialized in law firms. Um, So did that for several years and then um, finally left to to start my own thing about eight years ago um, and had built up a lot of relationships in the legal industry. And and so we um, continue to have that focus. Fabulous. So my my first thing I want to get into right off the bat is press releases, because early on in my career, working for a matchmaker, actually, I would write up press releases for things we were doing or um, searches we we were conducting for love matchmaking and um, was just such an interesting thing. And I, and I always wondered like, who's seeing this, who's reading this, who cares about what we're, what we're emailing them with this press release. And so I think that's where I want to get things started off here is like how I know you, you've written about, you know, attention grabbing press releases and kind of breaking through the noise. And so I'm, I'm wondering about that. How, how can a firm in 2019 use press releases? Sure. You know, press. this is a often debated topic if press releases are dead, that kind of thing. Um, and they're certainly not. I mean, press releases are written in the style of a news story. So there's something that reporters understand. We follow their inverted pyramid style. So press releases are used whenever you have news to share. So it's an accepted format. Um, it makes sure that you're handing uh, a reporter, a journalist, 
the story already written for them. Most reporters aren't going to run it word for word, although that does happen. But it gives them all the information they should need to to write a story. Um, and it helps really kind of make sure, especially in the age when, you know, we're, we're all concerned about, you know, getting the facts right and um, fake news and all that. It kind of helps make sure that you've done your legwork, you've presented all that information um, to the reporter. So, you know, they're very highly effective tools. All the reporters that we work with use our press releases and they're the right medium when you have news. Now, if you're, you know, you're going out there and you're wanting to comment on a story or you're wanting to pitch um, a publication or an outlet to write a bylined article, those aren't going to be that you, you wouldn't use a press release. But a press release is really, um, you know, if a, a firm has won a case, if they're opening a new office, if they've got a new lateral partner, anything like that, uh, you know, a press release is definitely warranted. Yeah, I think one of the one of the issues that we see all the time with press releases that don't achieve their objective, and I think you know something that you're alluding to here is is it's newsworthiness, right? So so many exactly, firms yeah. they use press releases as their opportunity to create an advertisement or something like that, and mm. of course no one wants to read that, and people turn it off and want to block it, and so I think you know the umbrella term press release or uh, even PR to a certain extent, you know it takes on this kind of negative connotation, but it's really because people sure. are just either abusing the press release or not doing it very well. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and if, you know, if you work with a, a PR firm or a publicist, they can advise you when a press release is warranted or not. So you're right. If it's overly promotional, if it's an ad disguised as a press release, that is going to damage your reputation with the media that you're sending that press release to. So you really only want to use them when you have news to share. Um, and the only way to really know and understand what's news is to, to you know, look at the media on a regular basis and see what they're reporting on um, and to kind of build that understanding and that idea of, you know, what is news and what's not news. You can also do short news items on your website. Sometimes there's things that don't rise to the level of newsworthiness for, you know, the media, third-party media, but your audience that you might have developed through um, social media, through LinkedIn, um, you might want to to share that with them. And you can put together kind of a news style alert or blog post. Let, you know, for, for example, one of the most common ones that we see is when um, a firm launches a new website. And often we get the, hey, we need to do a press release. Well, that's no one's going to, to you know, <laughs> run that news. But if you want to share that with your audience, um, certainly a, a small, short blurb that, hey, you know, we, we did this website, we made sure to, you know, think of our audience, there's value here, that kind of thing. So you can use that, but it won't go to the media. It's just your particular audience that you've built up through, through social media or other avenues that you have, maybe email, something like that. Yeah. And I think another one of the things you you mentioned is the relationship there and kind of building up that when you're sending something to a reporter, they can trust that you're you're not just making their inbox filled with clutter. You're actually giving them something that could be a story or that could be a lead that they would want to talk to yeah. you more about. Yeah. So a lot of what PR people are doing on a regular basis is establishing a relationship with a journalist. And that's why PR firms that specialize in a certain area um, honestly do so well because we develop our own reputation independent of our clients, but 
as a source of good information in a certain area. So um, reporters will start to know and understand these PR people have um, legal resources, have, you know, they might, and often they'll come to us proactively and say, hey, do you have an attorney who does X? So that relationship and that reputation that we are building between the media um, is very important, and we guard it very carefully. So that's why a PR person might push back to a client and say, you know, that's not really newsworthy. And if I send this out, then I'm damaging my reputation with the media, which then, you know, harms our ability to meet our objectives for you. So a lot of it is making sure to protect those um, relationships and build up that relationship as being somebody who responds quickly, who provides good sources, good media sources, who isn't going to fill your inbox with things that aren't relevant, that aren't, you know, actual news, that kind of thing. So it's very important to, to make sure that you're thinking about that and respecting that relationship that we have to make sure we maintain on behalf of our clients. Yeah. Another kind of thing that I know a lot of lawyers and firms are looking to promote is when they have a big, a big win, you know, a big dollar amount or a kind of David versus Goliath sort of, sort of win and having that dollar amount become more than just something that they put on their website. And are there, Mm -hmm. are there kind of tips or tricks around how you can get those out there and where it's more than just self-promotional noise in front of in front of the media and for journalists? Sure. So I think you're asking about litigation PR is my guess. But um, yes, so I'll, thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, no problem. So and we do a lot of um, litigation PR and it is a unique um, it's a unique area because, you know, litigation obviously has a lot of confidentiality aspects um, that you have to consider. You know, litigation can stretch on and on for years. So a lot of what we do with our clients who are working on big litigation is really just pushing to make sure we know what's going on. Um, and I know that sounds overly simple, but the worst thing that can happen when a big win you know, decision comes down is that a law firm goes to its PR firm and says, oh, hey, you know, we happen to have been working on this case the last three years. And we just got this big, uh, you know, really positive outcome and we want to publicize it because the media moves so fast. One, um, if you wait a little bit, it, they're going to cover it, especially if it's an important case. And important is subjective. Um, so it can be important to a very niche industry or it can be market moving, you know, uh, decision that the Wall Street Journal is going to be interested in. But in any case, it's incredibly important that your PR firm is involved so that one, we start to get an understanding of who the people are that are writing about it. So what reporters are writing about it, what what information are they are they looking at? What are they? Um, how are they covering the case? So one, we just have a media list ready to go whenever we want to go out there uh, and talk about the case. Um, but two, so that we understand it and can quickly write that press release and get it out there. So timing, and then often what we're doing is we're kind of we're going to reporters and saying, hey, you know, we represent this law firm. They're in charge of this case, and um, you know, here's what we can tell you but we want to be your go-to resource for this case because often there's other firms involved. So, so they know there's somebody available so that when they do get want that information, because, you know, the, the verdict comes down and, and they're responsible for, you know, getting that story out before anybody else. So that's kind of a, a critical part of that. Um, so, and I think also the question was sort of how do I get my message out? The fact that this was a big deal. 
versus just the case. In the end, you know, the media is going to write the story that they um, think that their audience is interested in. So they're not going to be thinking about your angle, but you can better your chances of getting your messages across by one, you know, being the person that they turn to. So establishing that relationship, making sure that you've kind of built that reputation with them too, but also thinking about does that number, does that outcome have impacts? Does it set a press, not a precedent, that's a legal term, but does it set any kind of standard in the industry? So looking at it more from a how, you know, what does this mean for this industry or these issues and um, trying to fit it into the conversation that way. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's such great information. And I think uh, one of the other challenges that we hear from a lot of, you know, solos and small firm lawyers that you know, might, maybe they can't, uh, they don't have the budget for a big PR blitz is how to identify and do some of the legwork that maybe a you know a PR agency is you know very sophisticated and skilled at. What kind of tips do you have for those solo and small firm lawyers that say, hey, you know what, I eventually probably need a PR agency, but today I want to start putting the building blocks in place. Um, you know, I think you mentioned building the relationships with local reporters. What are some of the other ways that lawyers should be thinking about trying to develop those relationships or find those PR opportunities when they're more of a do-it-yourselfer? Sure. Number one, it's actually read that media. So pay attention to it, read it, understand it, know what this publication writes about, get a sense of it um, would be key. Um, Two would be to reach out to the reporters and say, hey, you know, this is my area of expertise. This is what I do day in and day out. I'd love to be a a resource for you um, if you ever have a story that you need that kind of expertise. That's, That's often how we start when we work with a law firm who's never done any kind of PR. We do, uh, and we have a fancy term for it. We call it source filing, or I do. I don't know where I got that word from. But basically, we're going out and we're trying to make sure that these reporters have these attorneys in their source file. So we're making that introduction and saying, you know, if you ever write about X, here's this attorney. And a an attorney can, do, can certainly do that themselves. You know, they can follow a, a reporter who um, covers the beat that they specialize in and, and make that introduction. And it's a simple email that says, you know, I saw this story. Um, I see that you're writing about this. I'd love to be a resource for you. Here's my cell phone number. Here's my email. Give a little bit of credentialing. So, you know, here's here's the kind of clients I work with. Here's my expertise and establishing that relationship. I think those are the really the best two ways to kind of get started in working with the media. That's good stuff. I think that's one of the things I think that a lot of lawyers miss on is is that there's this idea of, you know, well, I'm just going to work hard and provide great service to my clients, and sure. then I'm going to I'm going to earn this media attention automatically. And it's you know not always quite that simple. The you know the media, the journalists, they're busy. They're getting inundated with noise every single day, and so having this lens of developing the relationship with media, identifying who the people are that are covering the stories, all very key. And and then, you know, when you're talking tactical, do you recommend that people reach out on social media? If so, are there preferred platforms? Um, You kind of get your thoughts on tools like help a reporter out. Uh, Are there any other kind of tips or tricks that you might be able to share? Yeah, um, sure. And I, yeah, I've definitely used help a reporter out. It can be very, it can be somewhat um, time consuming to to monitor it on a regular basis. So, you know, for me, um, if if one of the, a couple of things we do is uh, setting up Google alerts. Um, that's kind of, and especially for an attorney who 
um, is doing this on um, their own, you know, set up those Google alerts on the topics that you want to um, be known for and start to get an understanding of who's writing about it. Reaching out over social media, there's certainly some reporters that wouldn't mind, you know, a, a, a direct tweet or something like that. But honestly, email, email's the, the way to go. It's the, it's the business medium that everyone is used to. Email allows a reporter to get back to you um, on their time. You know, when you're going over social media, um, it might not be the kind of flow that they're used to. So almost always email is best. Um, there are some cases when it's not. And there's other tools that we use to monitor, you know, who's who's tweeting about certain stories, that kind of thing. But if, if it's a solo attorney doing it themselves, I would by far, um, you know, encourage them to reach out over email. Um, and they can certainly, if there are events where there's reporters, make an introduction um, in person, but really email is the way to go. Expounding on um, on Twitter specifically a little bit, we have talked to a few lawyers who are really using Twitter to their advantage and kind of there's one in particular, Greg Siskind, who he is an immigration attorney and he takes any ruling or anything that's kind of happening in the immigration space and breaks it down on Twitter in multiple right. tweets or just, you know, hey, here's this new ruling. This is what it means. And he gets a lot of interaction from reporters just through that and yeah. has been written up in a variety of, of media sources. Are there, is that something you're seeing too? And are there any, any kind of tricks to doing that sort of thing? Yeah. So that can be done in a, a couple of ways. So um, it is basically establishing yourself as an authority on your own platforms um, so that the, the media are going to start to take notice. I mean, journalists are doing jobs very similar to the rest of us in that they're going to Google often to find information or they are. And so once they find someone, and especially if they find someone who's regularly providing information of value to them on Twitter, then they're going to start paying attention. I've had clients, and I've known people in the industry that have built a reputation purely off of blogging um, the Twitter example you gave is a great example. And then the media take notice because they're really just pumping out good information on a niche area. Um, and that's sort of a goldmine for a reporter who you've got to think of report, reporters are um, assigned to a beat where they are not the, the expert. Uh, some become experts over time, but they've got to learn as much and they've got to bring to the table credible information and resources. So you can establish yourself that way through blogging, through social media, that can certainly um, be a very successful, effective strategy. It's time-consuming. I wouldn't do it – well, it depends. I, most of the time, I, I don't think I'd do it just purely for media relations outcome, but that's certainly an outcome that can come from that. So one of the another issue that we run into all the time with lawyers, and I'm sure you've got some some stories you can share about this, is this idea of – trying to appeal to everybody on everything all the time. What that ends mm. up doing is watering down, making things more yeah. vanilla. So uh, help listeners understand, you know, one, that they don't need to be afraid of taking a stand on a particular issue. And, and maybe you can share some experiences or stories or examples uh, of firms that have taken a position, you know, whether it's politics or something else um, mm -hmm. that they've had, you know, it's really been a net benefit to them from a public relations or reputation standpoint? Yeah. So those are the clients I love 
the most are the ones that aren't that, that aren't scared to, like I said, have an opinion uh, or that really inject personality into what they say. So aren't so big. It, it's really just a matter of how crowded online conversations are nowadays and, and how crowded um, the space is online in terms of um, resources and news outlets and blogs and really sort of standing out. So the people that have risen above the fray are somewhat different. Um, and that does require a little bit of sort of bravery on taking a stand. I, I'm a big believer that the more the internet world evolves, that authenticity and transparency and being a real true person is what's going to really win in the end. Um, and I'm starting to see that even in the big, big corporations, they're realizing that people respond to people and people aren't these sort of vanilla, vague corporate messages. They they have opinions. They talk creatively with personality. Um, that's why in the content world, they talk a lot about tone of voice. So that's what really stands out. And the media, the media more than anybody, knows what audiences want, especially their audience. So they're looking for what the audience wants, and they're looking for that fresh perspective, opinion, um, analysis. Analysis is huge for lawyers. Um, I do see some attorneys putting out information. They're really just sort of regurgitating what happened, but um, they need to provide the, you know, what does this mean? You know, what's likely to happen next? Here's how this might impact this industry. So, but certainly also if you can say it in a unique way, that's incredibly important. And a lot of times that's just kind of letting your personality and who you are shine through. And a lot of that is getting over what's been kind of drilled into attorneys and really kind of a lot of people in the business world is that you, you shouldn't be yourself in, you know, business and, and uh, media communications, but that's what people respond to. Um, so it's something that we really encourage as much as we can. Often what we'll do is we'll get on the phone and interview an attorney instead of asking them to send us a quote, we get on the phone and we talk to them because that's when we're going to get that real, great quote from them because they're often just talking off the cuff. And then we write it up and we you know, say, look, this is what's really going to work. So absolutely. That's great. And kind of the other end of the spectrum from the do-it-yourselfer, for folks who are listening who you know, maybe they're at a larger firm or they're already working with a PR agency, one of the questions that uh, comes up a lot is how do you measure success or how do you understand the value of what an agency brings to the table. So maybe you could talk a little bit about some of the things that, you know, when you're talking to your clients or even a prospective client that you say, you know, these are the types of things that you should expect from a, a PR agency. And these are the types of things that how we, how we'll end up measuring the most effectiveness of any particular campaign. Sure. Anytime you work with a PR agency, you've got to start out um, at the beginning with setting goals. So, and that includes things like, um, you know, here are the outlets that we want to be in. Um, and you can have that conversation with your PR person about whether, you know, you have the stories or the expertise to appear in those outlets, but that should be where you start is this is where we want to appear and this is what we want to do. Um, so we definitely look at just purely, did we uh, achieve what we set out to do? Are we getting in those publications? Are we the firm that is uh, approached to comment on the issues that we set out you can, if you want to set up other measures, there's things like um, one of the things I think is kind of critical, and you guys being in the digital world would know this would be domain authority. You know, is your site's domain authority improving because of a PR uh, campaign? And, and it, it absolutely should. So that's a 
I think a, a longer term measurement, but you should be able to look at, yeah, what this is, this is an increase because we are landing in these um, other sites that have, you know, strong domain authority and that's um, increasing ours. We're getting those backlinks from media outlets and influencers and things like that. So that to me is a critical one. You can, you can look at other, other measurements like social media measurements, because often, you know, it's going to, you're going to have social media shares and an increase in social media followers. But really just the two that I think are the most important are your media placements. Are we getting where we said we were going to and um, looking at your site's domain authority? Nice. Yeah. And speaking to you, of course, one of the things that Gay and I care about are uh, the digital marketing side of things. That is one of the one big advantage, especially in today's kind of news marketplace where almost every story that gets written up in a paper paper is online and even more stories are typically posted online because they can get out in real time is the ability to build links and have that you know what what google wants the expertise authoritativeness and trustworthiness is when a major news publication writes something about you or quotes you you're showing all of those different things that you're an expert that you are trustworthy and that you are an authority on this topic and kind of lends itself to all of the other things that a firm is probably doing if they're sophisticated enough to work with a PR agency. They're they're probably doing a bit with their digital marketing too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no question about it. Good media relations can improve your SEO and your, your other digital goals. So um, that's an important part, especially, again, going back to there's so much content out there and, you know, the media outlets that... Um, are credible, are going to have that domain authority that's going to send a lot of traffic your way. But it also, the media relations side gives that stamp of approval. So you can be doing your own blogging, your own email newsletter. Um, you can make sure you appear in the the first three hits on Google, but getting that media coverage um, says that, you know, somebody else thinks I'm I'm good at this. So that's that's a big part of it and how it all kind of works together. And then, you know, you can take that media coverage and, you know, push it out over social media, um, send it out over email, um, all of those things. Use some of the um, quotes from the article to, you know, as quotes that you can then use in your marketing materials, all of those things. And, and that is a, you know, having been in PR for many years, I remember when I started out in PR and the internet world started becoming um, more and more important, it was still sort of the gold standard to get in the print publication. And that's just sort of completely gone away now. I, I, we don't have clients asking, well, but did it also get in the print pub? You know, it's, I think people now really understand that, you know, the world operates on, the business world operates online. So while there, there are cases where um, print publications are still alive and well, our clients especially really understand that the online articles is what people are going to see and what's also going to drive traffic to your website and that that's the important place to be. Yeah. So before we started recording, we officially recording, we got into a little bit of a conversation about cool things that your clients are doing or things that your agency is doing for your clients. And you mentioned a client who is doing some Trump-related PR things. And I would love to know a little bit more about that. Yeah. So we work with a litigation law firm who had 
one attorney who had a background um, doing uh, special investigations. So um, working as a special counsel, and he was a special counsel for a governor who was impeached. So we worked with them on the impeachment investigation. So when his office released the report, similar to how Mueller just recently released the report, helping get coverage of that and also manage all that media. Um, and after all that had happened is when the Mueller investigation really started kicking off. And, and this is where there's a lot of terms out in the industry or um, a lot of talk, but this is basically just inserting yourself, um, i.e. the attorney, into a conversation of, of things happening related to um, uh, their area of expertise, but not actually it. So, um, oh, and newsjacking, we, right? Exactly. Newsjacking. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah. So th- that's basically what we did. So it was, hey, you know, Mueller investigations happening. You're going to need to understand how these investigations work, what the implications of each, you know, uh, the, the media followed this investigation, you know, every step of the way. And they needed a, a resource to tell them, you know, this is kind of how this works. Here's the analysis and insight into what might happen or why Mueller might have said this or done this, what it might mean, that kind of thing. So we really just sort of started pitching and saying, look, we've got this attorney who's led at least two of these investigations. One was incredibly high profile, and he can provide that analysis you seek. And it was really incredibly successful. He was regularly on um, MSNBC's Brian Williams show. Um, He was quoted in USA Today, New York Times, Washington Post, Reuters. But honestly, he was this, um, he is, I shouldn't um, talk about him in uh, past tense, but he's sort of this ideal attorney PR client in that he really understood the power of quickly giving us quotes and, and very kind of quotable quotes, you know, good meaty quotes that said, you know, this has happened in the Mueller case and this is what it means. You know, this is the, this is what's important. You should pay attention to this, that analysis in a, in a great uh, succinct way. And then we would quickly get it out to the media and he became this trusted resource for that investigation. It really boosted the reputation for that uh, firm's practice area. I know they got a uh, internal investigation work out of it. So that's that's really what newsjacking is in a sense. It's looking at what's happening in the media and injecting and inserting yourself and your expertise into that conversation and becoming that person that when a journalist says, I got to write this story on this, who do I know is the guy who can really answer all these questions for me? And that's that's how that works. That's very cool stuff. And I think the other thing too that you know comes out of that story and, and many others is this aspect of timing, right? Like you have to be fast. Yeah. I, I think so many lawyers yeah. are this they can't respond to the news cycle as fast. Yeah, um, absolutely. It's part of our job to once we understand that an attorney wants to, you know, be quoted is is to monitor the media and to know what's happening. So and to jump on that. But we have to have a an attorney who's going to respond quickly and who's not going to be scared to quickly give some insight or analysis or opinion. So that's incredibly important is to to really kind of respond quickly and be accessible to your PR person. You know, um, let us know, hey, I'm going I'm going to be in court all day today. And, and that, that's that's if, if you've been working closely and, you know, we're, we're pitching and we're doing all this. But let us know, you know, I'm not going to be available all day tomorrow. Um or here's my cell phone, you know, that kind of availability and relationships can do wonders in terms of um, getting that coverage. 
So the media now have to generate, you know, two to three times the amount of stories and, you know, in half the time that they used to. So they need things quick. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. Um, you know, when I first started out doing media relations, I would take journalists to lunch to these long, you know, lovely lunches, but that doesn't, it doesn't really happen as much anymore. You know, they have, they have a, a quota of stories they've got to file that day. Um, so it, it is the timeliness and that 24 hour news cycle. It's not going to stop at five o'clock. So um, that's why being available is kind of a critical aspect of success. Awesome. We spent a lot of time talking about, you know, PR more generally, but I, I think one of the things that I really liked from repinc.com, which I encourage everybody to go check out, was uh, some of the case studies on there. And, and there's this, and we've talked about it in terms of like building relationships with journalists, but the reputation is so important. And so um, whether it's on your website or an attorney bio or in a byline, I think maybe talking about some of the ways that you find are the most effective tactics for lawyers to communicate that reputation aspect. So, you know, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Michelle, the expert to maybe sure. just kind of take it down that path. But I think that's a piece that so many lawyers miss where they go the self-promotional route and they don't weave that reputation aspect into their online voice. Yeah. Well, or it's just the sort of laundry list of every little thing they've ever done. I, I honestly see that more than anything. It's sort of this, you know, list of uh, here's a million things I've done versus, so we do a lot of writing bios for lawyers. And often what we start with is, you know, if you're sitting down with your ideal client, because that's really what you want to write to, how would you describe them at, at a dinner party? How would you describe yourself at a dinner party? So we try to pull that out of the attorney and then write it up so that if somebody goes to their bio, they kind of quickly understand does this attorney do what I, I you know, do what I do, work in the area that I need, um, and do I like them? Do they have some successful case studies? Um, you know, have they litigated successfully this type of case that I'm working on, or that kind of thing? So we're often trying to draw that out, and really kind of, I think it's important that bios are broken down so that there's an elevator pitch style bit in there so that because people are busy. Um, There's a lot of studies, and I'm sure you guys know this, on how people read online. And it's a different way of reading on paper. They're scanning quickly to find the information they need. So you have to present that. And again, you have to present it in a way that's personal, shows your personality. I love it when clients use uh, client testimonial quotes. Um, I think that's incredibly valuable but also just kind of writing it in that conversational style, which is very hard for a lot of attorneys to to make that transition. But it's how anyone, I mean, everyone talks in a conversational style. So you've got to never make it difficult for people to understand what you're trying to communicate. It's excellent. Yeah. So change of uh, direction a little bit here. One of the things, and this is a question that is very much uh, <laughs> more interesting to me maybe, but I just have to ask, one of the things that I 
loved about the idea of of PR was always that crisis management kind of thing. Yeah. And um and I I just I just love that. So I would just love to know what that's like for for you or for potential clients of yours that they have some sort of a crisis or or something happens and turning to you and what digging into that crisis looks like. Mm, I yeah, I've always loved crisis PR. I I don't know what it is. It's sort of like an adrenaline or um, I suddenly feel very important. Um, but um, yeah, I've always loved crisis. I, you know, crisis is a good crisis PR person, like a good PR person does, kn- knows the media. So they can understand how the media might frame a story. And so um, they can advise a client based on, you know, look, if you do this, you're likely to do that. The media are likely to do this. So a lot of it, crises are also different. It's difficult to give very specific guidelines, um, but you know, in general, it is to control the flow of information. Um, you know, so it's to have some media training and some training up front so that there is not commenting. And, and with most law firms, we don't have that problem. We have it with other clients who might have uh, employees on the ground or something like that. Most law firms typically know not to talk to the media about um, things without some sort of approval process. But um, especially in a crisis, it's critical to control the message, to have one spokesperson who's trained, um, who then can be that go-to person between the media and the client. Um, So it's identifying that, making sure that people aren't talking out of turn, but then really um, being as transparent as possible. So that's not always possible. And in, um, in the end, it's better to stay out of jail than to have a, a, a bad reputation. So although a bad reputation is not great either, but, you know, we, we do want to, when we do crisis communications, we work closely with legal counsel um, to know what we can say, what we can't. But in the end, being transparent and, and communicating as much as we can um, is critical because the public and the media view non-communication automatically in a negative light. So it's very critical to be able to communicate what you can. And often that is thinking through what we do often with clients is um, have messaging available around sensitive issues. So for example, let's say uh, I'll take a, um, it's, it's brainstorming. What are our likely crises? Um, And then brainstorming your good messaging. So a common response you might hear from um, during a crisis is, you know what, I can't comment on that because right now we are, it's, it's in the middle of investigation. I don't have all the facts, but here's what I can tell you about, you know, a safety record or, or whatever it is. Here's, here's what we do to, you know, to make sure to ensure the safety of our employees or whatever is related to that crisis. So it's being able to sort of fill that gap and provide the media with something that they can talk to that is positive um, so that you're not a black hole of, of no information and also never speculating. So that's kind of the, it's, it's just death in, in crisis communication. So, you know, and the media understand that. So when you're asked a question that you really aren't totally sure about, it's, you know, I really can't speculate. I don't know, but I'm going to get back to you about that versus any kind of guessing around those kind of things. So there's a, a couple of, you know, important ways you can manage that. Um, you can get those pieces together and make sure that you're ready to respond. That's so cool. Yeah. So in crisis management, you're working with lawyers in a different way, potentially, but on, more yeah. on the, the other side of things. We've done a lot of crisis work for our clients' clients. 
you know, because often when people are seeking out the services of a law firm, they are in a crisis. Um, so that that tends to be what will often be the case in, on the legal side of things. And, and then it's, um, it is working with the lawyers to make sure that we aren't in any way jeopardizing the case um, with what we say. Um, so that they're an important um, aspect of that. And what I've seen, I think, over the years is that um, PR people and law firms are working better together through that. There's a better understanding of the importance of, you know, that public reputation. It's not just, as I said earlier, keeping them out of jail. It is, it's both. So I've seen a greater understanding of that and a willingness to work with PR people to achieve both goals. Yeah, I think it used to be maybe more of a mindset of, you know, if the media is there, don't say anything at all to now. It's like, okay, you can actually use the media more. um, I don't want to say to your advantage, but really you can, as that might sound sinister, but really you can you can say certain things and give little bits of information that will sort of satiate the public and kind of calm them down for the time being until that 24-hour news cycle is over. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So again, it is being as communicative as you can be. Um, and there's ways to do that. There's ways to go. Going back to that, um, it's a term we call bridging. So it's taking the question that you can't or don't want to answer. And you see politicians do this all the time and bridging to an answer that you can and do want to answer. So, but to do that, you have to be skilled in that and you have to have thought through what can't I answer and what can I answer um, and kind of filling that need for information during a crisis, because um, that's what they're seeking. They're seeking something they want to write something. So um, you can't be that wall that won't say anything. You have to think through how can I address this and what can I tell the media during this time? Well, thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us today. And for people that would like to connect with you online or learn more about any of the topics that we talked about today, how do you prefer people connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we our name is Reputation Inc., and that's Inc. with a K. And our website is rep, R-E-P hyphen I-N-K dot com. So, um, yeah, honestly, the best place is the website. And we have a newsletter that uh, attorneys and legal marketers can sign up for. And all of our social media links are on the website. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And as always, if you liked what you heard today, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Or if your other podcast app allows ratings and reviews, go ahead and do that too. And uh, make sure to hit the subscribe button while you're there. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, 
Consult a Lawyer. You know what I always think of when what? I hear the term newsjack? So jacked, bro. No, that's not what I think of at all. <laughs> not even close. Today's legal news is rarely as straightforward as the headlines that accompany them. On Lawyer to Lawyer, we provide the legal perspective you need to better understand the current events that shape our society. Join me, Craig Williams, and a wide variety of industry experts as we break down the top stories. Follow Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network or wherever you subscribe to podcasts.